The NBA Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast now are presented by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgampodcast.com slash edge to get started today. And welcome, everybody, to the NBA Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Game Podcast Network, a rare evening episode here on Wednesday, May 24th, going to preview Game 5 of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Heat and the Celtics. Yeah, unfortunately for us, we have no games today because Jamal Murray blocked LeBron, so now as a result, we have a day off. But we decided to get the video, the uh, podcast out early because, once again, everyone's just waiting for the only NBA game left, which is Game 5. And as a result, we had some free time, figured why not? The lines aren't going to change that much, so might as well jump into it. I'm your host, Scott Reichel, joined again once uh, again by Delonte Smith. Delonte, we disagreed on everything involving Game 4, and you were right about everything. Time for your victory lap. <laughs> nah, man. I don't take victory laps because I'm definitely probably going to be wrong again pretty soon because I'm going to be on Boston again. So, I mean, who knows? So, uh, I'm trying to move my money back from them. Uh, kicking my ass for the first uh, four games, well, three games, I'm sorry. So, yeah, man, no victory lap, but uh, felt good to see them actually fighting and um, actually defending for once. Uh, they didn't. They did a great job of defense uh, defensively. The offense was still hit or miss, but I think they won the game, you know, strictly off of the defense. Well, we'll get into that, though. Yeah. yeah, all I know is for the sake of the game, I got the spot I wanted. I had Miami up roughly seven or eight points. There was an opportunity for Boston to roll over. The opportunity was there, and I thought they would. They didn't. That was really the story of the game. I thought Boston, if it got tough, would potentially not exactly have the desire to fight back after what happened in Game 3. I wasn't also a fan of all the comments they were making before the game. Don't let us win one. Be careful here. And I'm like, why are you trying to tempt Miami into taking you seriously down 3 nothing? But still, uh, Boston responded well, mostly in the third quarter. Outscoring Miami 38-23. Tatum took over the second half, had 33 points in the end. Uh, I know that he also was really effective on the boards. He had 11 rebounds, and he had 7 assists. So he had a very good game. Uh, besides that, though, really just a lot of solid efforts. All five starters had double digits. You also had 14 from Grant Williams. So Boston had a very nice six players score 11-plus points, and Miami had four which was kind of the story of the game. But mm-hmm. other than that, though, you mentioned or we talked about briefly how Boston kind of picked it up in the second half when things looked a little bit dicey early on. Any main takeaways you want to make for Boston or anything that really stuck out to you? Uh, I mean, I just thought – I mean, I still didn't think they played well offensively outside of the threes falling. Um, Al Horford making a couple of those threes kind of opened up the lane to where they wouldn't have to where they have where they would have to honor him instead of sagging back so to open up some lanes for Tatum to drive. I thought he was a lot more aggressive with his drives. Um, Brown still struggled. Uh, he had a couple of jumpers, but overall, he still didn't look the same. I think um, he had 17 in the game. Yeah, I mean, a lot of that was kind of late, like mm-hmm. free throws. I think he had like a, a layup when um, Spolstra had pulled the guys out. So, yeah, I mean, he, he still didn't play well. Uh, I thought Tatum – Tatum, Grant Williams. Tatum was Wolford. Tatum was great. I mean, yeah, Tatum no was great. Yeah, was and great. then um, defensively, I mean, as a team, I thought they just played well and were totally locked in defensively. Uh, like you said, when the Heat were up seven or eight, I was like, man, it, it ain't. It's looking like game four or game three already. So, uh, but they responded. They did. They did a great job. I'm not turning the ball over. I think they only had one turnover in the second half. Uh, I think without, so. Yeah. Not excluding garbage time. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, 
about that, but I know they did a great job of taking care of the ball. They also were kind of getting into their zone offense a little bit more, so they're getting comfortable seeing that zone. I'll be I'll be uh, interested to see how they do at home and what Spolster throws, like if he throws a little, you know, one three one or or whatever. But yeah, man, overall I thought they they fought. Uh, they lived to play another game, and I think they got a shot to win it. I mean, point spread says so. So I'm looking yeah, forward. Yeah, I. Uh, I was going to say, I, I know that we're, in addition to going over game five, we might also be discussing the updated series prices. So yeah. it, besides potentially winning game five, we talked a little bit before we went on air, so I feel like we know where both of us might be leaning in this game. But the point is we will be covering the series price as well, and we'll see what adjustments Spolster makes, not just for game five, but potentially for the rest of the series. I do yeah. want to ask you, though, since Miami only scored 99 points at home in game four, did Boston actually play good defense, or did Miami just miss a bunch of shots they were making in the first three games? I think it was a combination of both. I mean, Caleb Martin started off six for six. Yeah. The open looks were still there, so I thought they did. They didn't do. They did a better job um, limiting the open looks than the first the three previous games, but they still had opportunity. Like Miami still had opportunities to pour it on. They just you know they just missed, and I think maybe they might be hitting a wall. I mean, they shot fifty percent for what like. I think over half of their playoff games. Pretty much, uh, yes. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, that's hard to sustain. Granted, Boston was a top three defensive team according to efficiency, so I, I think it's a combination of both. I wouldn't put it all on Boston's defense. I also wouldn't put it all on Miami just missing, but I would say a combination of both because, like you said, Miami still got open looks. I felt like Duncan Robinson still getting open looks. Caleb Martin was open several times. But I think that came with the two big lineup on the floor with Horford and, and Rob Williams. So I think he has to go away from that to get more of the um, perimeter defenders out there. So it's a lot more switchable. And even though Rob Williams did a great job switching into Jimmy Butler, thought he did a great job um, limiting him from getting to the paint, standing on his feet, not not getting um, you know fooled by the pump fakes. But overall, I think it's a combination of both. Yeah, I do think that it's definitely a combination of both. Usually when you ask a question like that, it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Uh, but I do think that Miami did leave a lot of uh, points off the, off the table uh, just because they had a lot of open shots. From what I saw, they only went 8 for 32 from 3. Boston's intensity definitely picked up, so props to them. Miami scored 56 points in the first half, and you thought, here we go again, because they were right, averaging right. roughly 120 in the series. But Boston did a great job holding Miami to just 43 points in the second half. On top of that, I do want to ask you, even though there's no way to prove it, do you think Miami might have been focused on the champagne ceremony in the locker room <laughs> at halftime? Man, honestly, I have like zero doubt Like with the Spolstra and Riley-led team. I don't think that they'd lack any kind of focus, especially with Jimmy at him. Any other team, I would say maybe or a definite yes. But with Miami, I don't think that they were looking towards anything. I thought they were focused on the game. It just so happened that Boston was locked in defensively and Miami shots didn't fall. So I don't think it was a lack of focus. I just think that, you know, the shots didn't fall. Um, Bam, I know we talked about Bam before we got on. Uh, he didn't have as good of a game. Uh, but, I mean, got to give Boston credit. They play with a lot more intensity and – Miami had been killing them points off turnovers. They were averaging 20 points in points off turnover for the series. That's what killed the Knicks in the last series. So without turning the ball over, you know, Miami's still – they're not as bad as they were in the regular season, but their half-court offense isn't as elite as those numbers yep. say once you don't turn the ball over. So, yep. yeah, I, I thought they were locked – I thought they were just – Boston was just locked in defensively, uh, especially in that second half. 
Yeah, for me, I do feel like a part of Miami's intensity was, I don't want to say gone in the second half, but it felt like Boston played significantly harder than them in the second half. That was my main takeaway. And yes, you could argue it's a desperation factor because Boston's trying to fight off elimination. And I know that Miami, you could argue with Riley and with Spolstra, maybe they weren't potentially counting their chickens before they hatched. But when you hear in the media, I know a lot of players try to pretend they don't pay attention. They do. They pay attention to social media. But I mean, they they own several TVs in their house. So I'm sure they caught all the TV reports and stuff like that. I don't think anybody really gave Boston a chance in game four. I didn't give him a chance. I know you did. A lot of people thought Boston was going to roll over again. Once again, I thought that was going to be the case. And I feel like maybe in the back of their minds, they thought to themselves, either when they saw it on TV or they just thought in their own mind, oh, we know this Boston team's going to fold because they always fold. And then Boston did not. So a part of me wants to believe that Boston came out and just buried them while Miami was giving full effort in the second half. I really thought that Miami looked just a step slower and I'd say a little bit less engaged than they were in the first half. I'm not once again going to take credit away from Boston because once again, they did what they had to do. But I do think a part of them, regardless of coach and regardless of who the president of the team operations are and how much of a legend Pat Riley is, you have a lot of undrafted players on that team that are on the verge of going to their first ever NBA finals. I do think that might have been in the back of their minds. Yeah, maybe maybe a little, uh, a couple of those guys. But I mean, like you said, it's it's, it's hard to, to gauge. But just with the organization and the and the culture that that they have, I thought I thought they just you know they didn't play well. They didn't play well. I mean, it's they're human. It happens. Uh, it's it's hard to keep that intensity and shoot as good as they have been doing uh, in this series and throughout the playoffs. So I'm actually wondering how they'll translate to, you know, going on the road. Because my thing is, maybe they were set on, okay, we might, you know, not blow them out and we might have to fight for it, but we're going to win. So I'm thinking if they're a little bit deflated from that game and that, you know, transfers to game five. So uh, that'll that'll be interesting to watch. But, um, yeah, I don't disagree with you. I just – I think they just got outplayed, and I mean, it happens. I mean, you know, Boston's a great team. Yeah. Um, And some of it was regression to the mean, as you said before, with Miami shooting. So Yeah. Yeah, so I'm interested to see how that plays out um, on the road. Yeah, I was going to pivot to something else, but I honestly forgot what I was going to say. It, I'm sure it wasn't that important because I would have remembered what it was. <laughs> but um, I do want to ask you just in general about some of Miami's supporting cast members because we saw that Martin was great. He had 16 points. He was very good in that game. Yep. Vincent was solid once again. However, he did kind of tweak his ankle there. Any update the, on that? What? Any update on his ankle? As far as I know, he's still going to play, but I am kind of wondering if he's going to be at 100% or 80% or whatever. The point is, let's assume Vincent's ankle does kind of bother him a little bit because that was the main takeaway I had in the fourth quarter because the game was basically over, if we're Mm -hmm. being honest with each other. So Struess is going to be the main guy that has to step up. Robinson only played 11 minutes, and once again, defensively gives you nothing, so you're just hoping he can actually hit some shots. Do you... Have faith in Kyle Lowry or any of these other guys to step up that we have not seen step up before? Because I feel like we already know Martin's been a steady contributor. Vincent's been really good the last couple games, but let's assume Vincent takes a step back. I have no faith in Kyle Lowry because shooting-wise, he's been a na- he's been a mess since game one in the series. So I'm not really sold on his potential to give you a sneaky 15 points off the bench. Do they have a guy like that? Because I'm not sure Robinson can really play. 
they really need Struess to step up, don't they? Yeah, I would say a combination of Struess. I mean, Martin's gonna gonna do what he does. Uh, I think he's underrated defensively, also of what his size and him being able to switch. Uh, with Butler and and Vince is a good defender also, so they'll be losing that if he's not able to go. Um, but yeah, I think that the main thing was to Miami's success is they're able to play Kyle Lowry in pockets and not have him, you know, be yeah. on the court for an extended period of time. And I think he's better in that role for this specific team. So I mean, he, he did a decent stat sheet game in terms of eight rebounds and six yeah. assists in twenty eight minutes. But once right. again, he went two for eight from the floor, one for five from three. The shot's right. broken right now. Right, and again, he's playing with the second t- with the second unit, or you know, half of the first unit, and you know, the rest second unit. So he'll be going against first unit guys, and you know, that's going to change a lot. Uh, a guy that I think is going to play that hasn't played, uh, if Vincent's hobbled or not able to go, is Hey uh, Highsmith. Highsmith. Yeah, he has success against Boston in the um, regular season. Now, obviously, you know it's the regular season, so but still, he has solid success against them. He's a he's got a nice size, a uh, good frame. He can shoot it fairly well, um, but I think he'll have some success if he's able to get in and spoke. Pretty good rebounder, know- for guys, yeah. And so. who knows with Spo? I mean, we, you never really know. Um, but I think High Smith, if if Struess, I mean not Struess, if Vincent's not able to go, I think he'll be able to to step in, and he's already have the confidence to be able to score, and he knows what to go against uh, with the Celtics team. I mean, they're not going to change. I mean, just you know, both teams not going to change as much, so it's not going to be a drastic change. I mean, we're four games in, so you know. It's all about the small things. And I think defensively is where they'll lack the most scoring. I mean, like my, we've seen Miami win like slugfest with um, with New York. We've seen them win, you know, track meets with, with Boston and, and Milwaukee to a certain degree. So I think they're comfortable playing at any style. Um, but to answer your question, I think they'll hurt, it'll hurt them more on a defensive end than it will offensively. Um but I think Highsmith, if he comes in, I think he'll play well. They'll be able to still play Lowry in those certain pockets. Um, I, I don't know about Robinson. I mean, he he is kind of hit or miss. I mean, he didn't score in the first game, right? He was is like Robinson scoreless. had zero points in seven right. minutes. And I mean, yeah. he's getting good looks. I mean, even even last game, I thought he had some good looks. He just missed him. Uh, he's yeah. he's doing a really really good job off the ball um, cutting, especially when Bam's in that on that empty side at the uh, high post area. Um, but Boston did a good job of cutting that off and making sure he put the ball on the floor. But um, yeah, man, I think Highsmith is gonna gonna be a, a big issue, a big issue for Boston because they haven't seen him. I mean, so it's new to them. They got to be able to adjust. And uh, I think Spo, if you know if Vincent can't go, I think he'll be able to put Highsmith on the floor and, and do some different things. I think Vincent's once again going to play, but I have to at least acknowledge the injury because people might assume that he's hundred percent fine. I'm not sure. It didn't look great. It wasn't yeah, so it bad they carved yeah. into the locker room, but it didn't look like it was something that he's just going to brush off. He might be feeling the effects of that for the rest of the series. But I remember what I was going to say before, by the way. I know some people were mentioning Scott Foster being the ref for game four, a.k.a. the extender. <laughs> yeah, Miami had 10 more free throws than Boston did. I didn't really think the officiating was bad whatsoever in the game. I don't think it had any impact on the game, did you? At no point did I think the officiating really played much of a factor. Uh, yeah, I mean, outside of just a few a few calls, I thought they that's, were just that's getting, in every game. Though. Yeah, yeah. So I, I didn't think it was game. I didn't think it was egregious at all. I thought it was decent. I mean, some of the stuff they were letting go uh, a little bit more than the first, you know, three games. But overall, I thought the officials did a, a good job. It was, you know, a really good officiated game to me. I mean, outside of the you know the 
the reviews for the dumb yeah, yeah like, you're stuff, stuff, stuff like that but yeah I, but I outside, Miami, outside of that yeah, yeah. it wasn't miami's it wasn't record with scott foster is not very good recently which is why i brought it up but once again i'm not gonna blame scott foster for why miami lost i really did not think the officiating was that egregious or there was really any real problems that i had with it now yes the reviews you know once again you mentioned a couple calls here and there that's with every crew but i didn't see yeah. any scott foster tinkering there to make sure that miami ended up uh potentially losing the game i ended up just seeing a uh, boston outplay them now it's really just the story of the game as far as yeah, i'm concerned I but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna ask you one point though before we move on to game five miami since they got blown out at home in game four what do you think's one main adjustment the heat are gonna have to do for game five they're gonna have to run Boston off the three point line. Um, Boston saw they saw it go in. I think they were. Uh, I don't know what they ended up with because of the garbage time. I think they were at the last time I was tracking it. It was like seventeen made three, seventeen or eighteen made threes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, give you have that. Yeah, so they, they got to do a better. They finished with eighteen. I'm not sure about garbage time. So yeah. Boston was pretty late to pull everybody though. They pulled everyone right. with like a yeah, minute. No, they were. So I think. They, yeah, I think they, it was just eighteen. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I think they got to do a better job of running Boston off the three-point line, making them drive inside. And, I mean, White was, like, getting every open look. I feel like all of Derek White's shots were wide open. Um, so yeah. they got to do a better job on the pick and roll, um, at pick and, well, pick and pop, I would say, and defending the three-point line. But uh, outside of that, I thought they did a good job as far as rebounding. Um, they had spurts where they looked locked in defensively. It's just that mm-hmm. Boston hit those shots. Um, I think Tatum in the third quarter, man, he started off, like back to back threes. Uh then he got an and one and then he was going to the going to the line a lot, getting his confidence up. And uh I think they got to do a better job of just keeping those guys limited into those runs. You can't let Tatum go on the seven to eight oh personal run. Uh I thought White had too many open threes. So just running them off the line. They did a good job of that early on, which is why Boston struggled shooting the ball. Uh they just weren't getting enough looks, so they were forcing it. Uh, so I think if they get back to that, they'll be fine. Yeah, I think one thing Miami might have to do is tinker with the rotations a little bit with the bench. But for the most part, I just thought it was shot variance, simply put. Miami made a bunch of shots early in the series. They missed a bunch of shots they normally make. And we'll see what happens moving forward. But I don't think it's panic mode. And that's yeah, no, what Miami, no, no. that's what Butler said post-game. I, they lost the game. It happens. Yeah. Now, if they lose game five, which is going to segue us into the discussion for game five, then we can talk about it. But for the sake of Game 5, I want to at least go through the odds here. Boston at home is minus 8. Uh, the Heat are plus 8 the other way. Slight juice to the plus 8, but it's basically uh, even on both sides. Uh, you have Boston on the money line at minus 300. Miami's around plus 250. And the over-under is 215.5. Delonte, I'm going to let you go first. I feel like uh, I know where you're going because you told me before we went live. Yeah. Uh, where are you going with this game? Yeah, so I, I'll lay it with Boston. I, I think they got they got a little bit of confidence back. I would rather go through and lay it first quarter, first half than the full game because I just don't trust them to put, I guess, put them away. Um, the Heat are going to come out extremely, extremely aggressive knowing this is a big, big, big game for them. They, they do have the home game in their pocket, but they don't want to extend it any longer. You saw what happened to Struess. That could happen to anybody. You, know, you don't want injuries to you know deter you away from having a great series against Denver. If you're able to move on, so they're going to come out. They're going to get the. They're going to get their best shot. Ironically, the Celtics have not played well starting off the the first quarters. I think Miami's won every first quarter in this um, series. So that Celtics got to come out. They got to be dominant. They got to be able to 
extended leads so that way they can have a little bit of room of error for error. Uh, I didn't think Missoula made any adjustment. I didn't think he did anything, to be honest. Uh, True, thought, him, him keeping Tatum on the bench for the start of the fourth quarter was hilarious, but it didn't matter yeah, in hindsight. Yeah, I, I didn't think he did anything like egregiously wrong. I didn't think he did. I didn't think he adjusted and did anything great. I thought the players just played a lot better. I mean, and that's what I was hinting at earlier. I mean, it was some of the stuff was his fault, but I think the players were just not playing hard. They weren't giving a lot of effort. And that started on a defensive end. It doesn't take coaching to get you to play defense. Um, and I thought that was the case for the first three games. And they were locked in defensively. I think they'll be locked in defensively at home. Uh, their record at home is very underwhelming for a historically great franchise who plays well at home. Um, so I think they'll come out. I think they'll get it done. Uh, I'll lay the eight with the Celtics. Yeah, by the way, to pull up the first, the first quarter numbers here, Boston did a lead after the first quarter in game one and game two, but oh, they didn't really? cover. They led oh, okay, by two okay, in game one. They led by one in game two. Yeah, and they were laying, what, three and a half, three, three and a half. Give or take. So they didn't yeah, cover yeah. either spread, but technically they That's were leading after a quarter in the first two games. Yeah, in, in my mind, I'm thinking about the cover and not actually. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So just to specify there. Now, yeah, for me, I think Boston's going to win the game. I'm not picking Miami to win. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure about eight because there's two ways to look at it. Either on one hand, Boston rides the energy of the crowd and they're able to blow Miami out. Miami's potentially no-showing. Maybe they'll look forward to game six at home. Uh, I realize I also had a typo here. This is actually supposed to be game five. Let me just fix that for a second. So good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there you go. It's game five. So maybe they're looking ahead to game six. We'll see. But the point is, I do think that Boston, I, I don't know what to make of their, even, of their home court advantage because it doesn't exist. They can't win a home game. Like it, it's really insane how this team is so talented in the regular season. They were good at home to go through the actual numbers at home. They were 32 and nine straight up at home. They're all two in the series at home. They lost a home game to Atlanta in the first round. They lost a couple of home games against Philly. They can't win a home game. So I'm not sure if it actually matters how crazy the atmosphere is going to be. Now, Jimmy Butler had the smile there, the devious smile in the fourth quarter. And I, we know what that means. It means Miami's going to bring it for game five. I think I'm going to link to Miami plus the points. I don't feel great about it either way. Eight still feels a little bit large to me because I still don't trust Boston to close out games. I just thought Tatum took over a quarter or a half, basically. That summed it up. But you yeah. mentioned it. Missoula didn't really make many adjustments. And once again, he kept Tatum on the bench to start the fourth quarter when he was the only reason why they were winning in the first place. I would have so just kept him in for an elimination game for the entire second half. Yeah, Tatum so should be playing 45 minutes every game. He just no, has to. Yeah, I mean, Tatum, I'm telling Tatum at, at the jump, like, look, you're playing every minute of every game we got left. This, you, maybe, wait, like, early wait, second quarter. Maybe like you can, maybe you could steal, like, two minutes, maybe. Okay, if, if, uh, I guess I guess I would preface it by saying if he's if they're in a good space after that first quarter, then, yeah, like you said, second quarter yeah. for the first three or four minutes, game seeing how matters, things go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, but otherwise, no, you're not coming up. You are not coming off the floor. I'm sorry. But that's kind of the problem that I have, though, because assuming that they, since they won game four, I'm assuming Missoula's going to do the same exact thing with Tatum in the fourth quarter, and Tatum's going to sit to start the fourth quarter. That'd be my guess. I'm assuming that's what's going to happen. You got to so, switch that up. You got to switch that up. I don't think they're going to, because once again, it technically worked out in game four. So I think they're going to stay with it. So the point is, I do think Boston, they let Miami make the game interesting for about a minute, and then Tatum came back and they went on an immediate like 9 nothing run. But yeah. 
I do question Boston's ability to close games. But having said that, I do think Spolstra will get a much better effort from his guys for a full 48 minutes. And once again, Miami's been good on the road. Boston's been brutal at home in this postseason, just winning games, let alone winning by margin. I think I'm going to lean to Miami plus the points. But yeah, once again, I do think we will be going to a game six. Yeah, I don't I don't hate that. Like I'm not I'm not like prone to disagreeing with anybody who wants to take the heat. I think the Celtics are gonna win the game. I prefer them in the first quarter, first half, and I, I lean that way. And one of my I guess one of the reasons why I'm leaning to them laying the eight is because I think that if it gets out of hand, maybe not out of hand, but let's say like, you know, twelve, thirteen you know, mm-hmm. what, like three or four minutes left in the game. Whereas you would, you would, yeah, you would finish it out. I think Spolstra will pull those with the, pull those guys with the um, game six in the back pocket at home. So with, with that being the case, I think that that's a little bit more value on the Celtics being that the Heat will probably wave the red flag early knowing they got to come back, knowing they got to go back to South Beach. Yeah, uh, which I think is definitely true, but I do think for the sake of the spread, I don't trust the Celtics enough to lay eight. You can argue it's a great spot, which I'm not even sure if it is or not, to be honest, because once again, Boston literally cannot defend their home court to save their lives. So I don't know if this is a good spot or not, because Boston has been really good in the postseason run when they need to be really good. When they're on the verge of having their season end, they show up. The problem is any time they get a little bit full of themselves, they get embarrassed. And I am concerned after Boston gave a great effort for one half because the first half wasn't even a great effort in game four. When they gave their great effort in game five, are they going to start getting full of themselves again down? I I don't know. There's a chance that maybe they sleepwalk through a quarter or two and then Boston comes back. But once again, they're going to be down. It's going to be tough for them to win by margin. I don't trust them to win by three, arguably four possessions against a Miami team that when push comes to shove, I think is mentally tougher than this Boston team. Yeah, not disagreeing. Do you have the first half uh, scores in front of you? Uh, the first half scores? Uh, yeah, yeah just, straight, just straight up. Straight up. Because you, you said something that I thought you want the was margin really or the exact scores? Yeah, just the margin and who was winning. Okay. So game one, Boston led uh, by nine at halftime. Okay. Game two, my uh, Miami ended up leading by four, and then you go to Miami. Miami was up by I don't know sixty in game yeah. three at <laughs> right, halftime. Right. So that was that right. was a destruction. They were up fifteen at halftime mm-hmm. in that one. And game four, Miami was leading by sorry by six. So right. Miami so three leading at halftime in each of the last three games. Yeah, right. So three of the last, so three of the four games, Miami's had control of the first half. So I think they got to flip that. I think Boston has to flip that and play well in game two. If I'm not mistaken, they had a run right between the six at six to nine minute uh, window. I can't remember yeah, I exactly so. when it was. They had a run where they uh, went up about I think eleven or twelve, and then Butler came out. They responded really well. Uh, ended up tying it. And I think that ended up changing the tide of the game. I think they were shocked that that, that happened because they had all the momentum. Crowd was going crazy, and they come out and spoke all the timeout. They come out of that timeout. They uh, tied the game, and I want to say that was the game that um, that was the game that uh, Caleb Martin hit like back to back threes to take them into the half. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that so, sounds right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, well, Caleb Martin making anything uh, sounds yeah. right in, in this series. But uh, but yeah, I think they got to come out with a little bit more urgency in the first half because again, 
we all know how fragile they are down the stretch and now they haven't been good in close games and vice versa with the Heat. The Heat have been incredible in close games. They have been all, all year. They've been in tough games. Whereas Boston, I think if they have the the window where they can have a little bit of margin of error and be able to, you know, let's go from, okay, we got a 12 to 15 point lead. If we can, if they cut it down to six, we call the timeout, we bring it back up to eight to 10. So I think if they can have that little bit of error room, I think they'll be fine, but it's just the opposite of where they're down and they have to make plays or play after play. And then defensively they have to make stop after stop is where the, I guess the lack of confidence comes in for me. Yeah, uh, but in general, you're on Boston. I'm going to lean to Miami. Yeah. Any thoughts on the total? Yeah, I'm going over. Uh, I went under last. I went under last game. Um, I, I thought that I thought it would be a more intense, you know, game, and I, it ended up going under by a little bit. I mean, it had a chance to go over uh, if Boston would have pulled their guys a little bit earlier when Miami did. But um, yeah, I think over. I think Boston has a great offensive night. Uh, this the Heat. I mean. Although they might not shoot as well, they're still getting they're still getting good looks. So I, I got to count on them to get their looks and hit a little bit more than what they were. Bam's probably going to show up a little bit more, so he'll give you his you know basic seventeen to twenty point in that window. Um, so I think it goes over. I think uh, both teams have success offensively. I'm just banking on the Celtics being a little bit better defensively. And if it's a blowout, I mean the Heat's bench come in, they score a few points, and we can get it over. Two fifteen is really, really low. I, I understand why the line has really not moved at all because game four could have gone either way for the total. Yeah, I am pretty torn when it comes to the over-under in this game because on one hand, Miami did not shoot the ball well. They shot 43.6% from the floor, 25% from three. On the other hand, Boston shot over 51% from the floor and 40% from three. So you could argue that's going to balance out. So that should, once again, get you around this number. I think I, I wanted to lean under because I like Miami. So it's kind of correlated. Yeah, I agree with that. I think Miami's got to make the game ugly, but Miami also wants to run at times. So it's kind of like a paradox because Miami, you assume, wants to make the game pretty disgusting in the half court. But on the same point, they've been very good in transition and as a result, they can get a bunch of good looks. I think I'm going to lean over just because I do think Miami's been getting good looks. And once again, a couple of them didn't go down compared to the first couple games. But I still think the overall shot quality is still solid. And Boston's gotten some good shots as well. I think I'm going to lean over. I don't feel great about it, but I do think that it's going to be very close one way or another. Yeah, and uh, in the post game, and also in the um, the coach's interview in the fourth quarter, Spo was was really like emphasizing their pace, like they were getting out in transition, and their pace was kind of wearing them down a little bit. Uh, some of those, they were making some of those guys work defensively, which was taken away from their legs offensively, which might have been one of the reasons why they weren't making all those shots late. Uh, you know, Caleb Martin started off hot, but I, I think he didn't he didn't end. Well, either he didn't get up shots or they were running him off the three-point line. No, he missed his last three shots. I, right. Did he score in the second half? I'm not sure, but I think he was he was getting some looks, but like they were closing out and and sending guys. They were blitzing the they were blitzing the uh, the pick and roll for Duncan Robinson, making him give it up early, and Bam just didn't have it uh, last night. So they made it a little bit harder on those shooters. So the pace was one thing that Boston has to keep that they have to keep that up. Have to get those guys running and make them actually defend because I mean, in game two and three, they were just basically in the half court heaving up threes with like 10, 11 seconds left on the shot clock, not moving the ball. Uh, so I think with the pressure on them, moving the ball and getting out in transition and pace, making those guys run and defend, I think that's the Boston's advantage. This is one of the reasons why 
I, I like the over. And you mentioned yourself about the heat being good in transition. I think they'll keep up with that pace and they'll be ready to to run and gun with them. Yeah, I'm not betting the total, but I figured we should at least talk about it. So yeah, yeah I'll be I think this, nu- this number does feel like it's where it should be, but I'm gonna lean to the over. Yeah, it's been it's been around this the same, uh, like around the same two fourteen ish, two fifteen ish. So yeah, uh, but anyway, that's gonna do it for the actual game lines, the standard lines. Now it's time to actually get into the player props for the game. Delonte, I'm gonna let you go first. Uh, any player props jumping out to you? Well, I'm going to stay on Tatum because I think like he's he's locked in. If you notice, like from the jump ball, he was locked in defensively and offensively. I think he started off on Butler. Uh, he did he did a solid job on him uh, minus the pick and roll. They were hunting uh, Derek White. It's crazy how Derek White is second team all defense and he's getting hunted by Jimmy Butler every yep. single play. Like they're well, it's, a, it's because can, of the size differential. Yeah, obviously. that too. But it's just like Jesus. Like every single time mm-hmm. up the floor, they're just like hunting him. So. I'm gonna go with uh with Tatum triple double. Uh well I, I guess we could, I guess I'll save the triple double because I'm I'm gonna get to that with my dog. But I get I like him over his points. Uh he's at currently he let me see what he's at. He should be at 30 and a he's half. He's at 30 and a half. Yeah. So I'm gonna go over 30 and a half for him. I'm sticking with Grant Williams over. They gotta keep playing a minutes. He's giving them intensity. He's playing really well defensively. He's knocking down the shots now to his line to seven and a half, which I think is really, really low. Yeah, so he's going to get those minutes, especially if Brogdon keeps struggling. Uh, I'm not sure. I think Brogdon will have a, a decent game here. But Grant Williams on the floor, uh, I don't know what his plus minus was, but it had to be off the charts because I seem like every time, 15. Yeah, he, every time he was on the floor, he's making positive impact on the game. Defensively, he was diving on the floor for loose balls, fighting for offensive rebounds. That kind of, that kind of effort has to keep you on the floor. So I think he stays on the floor. I think he knocked down a couple of threes at home. He's shooting 50% on corner threes in the playoffs. Uh, now limited mm-hmm. sample size, of course, because some of those games, you know, he Even wasn't playing. Three. But uh, he's, still, he's notoriously a, a good three-point shooter uh, in those corners. So I like him over his points, and I like uh, Jason Tatum over his points as well. Yeah, for me, I see Williams, I said before, it's seven and a half. I think I'd rather just play the over one and a half threes because he went four for seven last game from the floor but he went four for six from three. So if he's going to get to eight points, he's probably going to have two three-pointers and a layup. So you can get over one and a half threes at plus 154. I don't mind an alt three-pointer line, honestly. If you want to take three plus threes, go nuts. But I think he's going to play close to 30 minutes. Uh, Once again, I I mentioned earlier the series in game two, I know people criticized him for because he quote-unquote poked the bear, but at least he showed effort. He's been willing to actually give consistent effort, and he's good for switching purposes. And if Boston wants to go smaller and play faster, that does work out. And I do think that Grant is, once again, an undersized forward in terms of height, but he does a good job battling bigger guys. We saw him against Embiid in the last round. He actually had some good moments defensively in that series. I like Grant Williams over as well. Seven and a half feels low. I like the over one and a half threes at plus 154. Two and a half threes, maybe if you want to go for a long shot parlay, I wouldn't mind maybe three plus threes. But I do think that Williams is the way to go. I will ask you, though, do you prefer the seven and a half points or the over one and a half threes? Uh, and what is, the, what is the one and a half threes at? I'm sorry, I missed it. Plus 154. Uh-oh. Uh, do you think you can go over seven and a half without hitting two threes? It's basically the question. Uh, he, he might, because my thing is with Grant – He's so aggressive on the offensive boards that he'll, you know, maybe get a putback and one. Uh, he might go to the line three or four times. So I probably would play. I probably would play both 
Um, but if I had to pick one, I play the plus money on the on the threes. Yeah, I mean, it I'm, is. A, I'm, I'm with you on the plus money there because you're getting yeah. an extra like sixty cents, give or take. Right, and he can still hit two and cash and go under his points. But um, I think he'll make a bigger impact uh, on the game from the three point line. So yeah, yeah, I, I'll go with the threes at the plus money. And for the record, he did actually go over seven and a half in game two. He scored nine points. He yeah. only made one three pointer. So he has done it before. Uh, he did go two for three from three in game four. In game three, finished with twelve. So in theory, he went over that number if he only made one three as well. But he did get more volume up in game four, and he ended up going four for six. So yeah. the plus one fifty four, I find quite appealing. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I love that play, and I, I would ladder it up like you were saying, like three plus. Um, because honestly, if if things are going right, then Rob he'll probably take more Rob Williams minutes. Um, especially during that window where if Tatum and Brown, well, they should never be on the bench at the same time, but just in case one of them is off the court, then he should be the the primary defender on Butler and also being able in that uh, that weak side corner for the catch and shoot three off the pick and roll. Do you want to uh, guess what the plus price is on Williams three plus threes? Uh, so if it's 150, uh, 154 for one, uh, over one and a half, I'm guessing it has to be uh, what three twenty five, three thirty. Can I interest you in plus five fifty? Oh yeah, I'm on it. Yep, I definitely take that. Uh, Fanduel is five fifty. I can yeah. guarantee you, as of right now, one of the perks of doing the show extra early is you can probably beat some lines. Yeah. There is no way after Game Four, Williams will close anywhere in the five to one range for three threes. That'll probably close closer to four to one. Would you agree no with way. that? No way. No way. That closes that that high. No way. I'm I'm, I'm actually betting it right now. I'm just saying 550, there's no chance it's going to stand. So if you actually right. want to take a long shot parlay or something, do it now. Right. And if you right. want to include Williams in there, you can. But there's no way that Williams threes will be at 550 even tomorrow morning. That's just not going to be there. So right. wanted to bring that up. Uh, besides that, though, for props, I actually had a pretty good day with the props, uh, as I said before, in game four. Uh, I was on Vincent and Martin overs. I'm still on Martin over, but I am a bit more concerned about it because Boston seems to be honing in on him more because he looked like Steph Curry for about three games in a row. Mm -hmm. Vincent, I don't know what to think of Vincent because once again, I have to keep an eye on that angle. And some people might be thinking I'm overreacting to it. I don't think I am. I've played basketball, of course, non-professionally, but still on a high ankle sprain. It's not fun. And when you're going to be focused so much on rhythm and Vincent also can occasionally get get to his own spot by dribbling, I do wonder if it's going to affect his cutting around screens if he's going to be maybe half a step slower. So does, I'll ask you because it's kind of scaring me off Vincent. Does this scare you off Vincent at all? Yeah, so I'm scared of the the Heat as a whole until I actually see an update on if he's actually going to play. Because I think Reggie brought up a good point on a broadcast, which is is you know far and few between or few and far between. Uh, I was gonna say, one's an insult, one's a compliment. So <laughs> right. you got you to choose your words wisely in that. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, he um, he was saying that the adrenaline will get him through this game, which we saw him come back and, and play. Uh, he he was moving okay. Uh, he even went to the lane and got fouled, but I mean, they didn't call it. But uh, I think immediately after that, he spoke got him out of the game. So he probably is good on adrenaline in that game, but it'll probably swell up. Uh, he's probably getting treatment on it. So I didn't take any Heat players until I get an official report on if he's in or out because that dictates a lot, and we don't know who Spoh's going to play and how he's going to play him. But if he's out, I'll definitely be on um, Highsmith props, and um, I'll be on Struess as well. But until then, I'm kind of like teetering on 
on the player props as far as the Miami Heat side goes. That's why I didn't give out any at all. Uh, outside of, I mean, Jimmy, we're just going to go with Jimmy points, rebounds, and assists as always. Yeah, for me, uh, by the way, I did find Grant Williams over six and a half points at minus 110 on that MGM. So you get a free point there just by shopping around. Wanted to include that. I do think since I am concerned about maybe Martin and Vincent's effectiveness, I got to pivot to a guy who got a bunch of run in game four. He was okay. wasn't great, but he had a couple of really great games earlier this postseason. I think I'm on Struess. I think Struess is going to be my pivot here. Uh, he played a bunch of minutes. He played 36 minutes. He went one for five from three, four for nine from the four. So I know the shooting wasn't great per se. Did have seven rebounds, though. So I think that he did a very good job on the glass because out of bio only at five. I think Scrooge is going to play a lot in this game. And I think that with him, once again, playing 36 minutes in game four, I do think his points prop at 10.5 feels very low just because he shot the ball that poorly from three. If you think they're going to end up focusing more on Vincent and on Martin, and maybe Vincent's minutes will be a little bit more compromised or limited than it was previously. Yeah. If Strews plays 35 minutes, and you're going to give me a starter to score 11 points if he's going to be playing 35-plus minutes, I'm going to take it. And his name's not Al Horford, so I'm going to take it. So give me Strews <laughs> uh, to go over. That number feels a bit low. Yeah, I'm with you on that. And, and they'll, uh, Strews is good at... Uh defensively like poking the ball out and then leaking yeah. out he's he gets a couple ducks a game off of that alone and if the jumper's falling i mean he he's played well in boston the first two games i think he i think he played well he went over that number if i'm not mistaken especially the threes i know for sure he went over the threes um but yeah i'm with you on, on Struce also i just want to make sure that you know if benson's compromised or i kind of want to get an update um before i dive into anything but i do like Struce. By the way, he's been completely hovering that number. He had 15 in game one, 11 right. in game two, 10 in game three, and nine in game four. However, games two and three, he Lots. only played 27 minutes and right. 25 minutes. Right. And once again, his minutes ramped up to 36 right. in game four. And if Vincent is a bit compromised, Miami still wants to keep the three-point shooters on the floor. Mm -hmm. Robinson barely got any run last game because A, he was off. B, still can't guard anybody. So I do think Struce is in a good spot to step up. And it is pretty interesting that Struce over 10.5 points is minus 130, but him to hit three threes is even money on FanDuel. So FanDuel's assuming he's going to hit three threes, so I, I'm going to take the points. I just think that he can get a couple of opportunities where maybe they'll start doubling Butler, they'll focus in on the Butler and Bam pick and roll. And once again, Miami still attempted 32 threes in game four. They're going to chuck him up. I just think Struis gets more attempts than other guys uh, you might be expecting. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I'm not opposed to that at all. Um, like I said, I just want to make sure because if he's probably going to be, my thing with that is he's probably going to be more so on a defensive assignment. Also, if if Vincent's out or Hobble, because if he's out there, I mean Boston has to at least test him out and see how well he can move laterally. So I try to put him in a bunch of screening roles, a bunch of cross screens, just to make sure that his lateral movement is really what it was uh, in the first three games. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I do like Struess a lot. Uh, I'll be on him in, in some form or fashion. I just want to wait to to confirm it. Makes sense. Uh, besides that, though, of course, I'm going back to Tatum, uh, either with yeah, rebounds yeah, or yeah. points and rebounds. I think Tatum's going to have a good game. I am wondering if Miami's going to start sending extra guys at him because Jalen Brown has still been a complete non-factor in the series, and maybe you pick your poison and you'll let Brown try to wake himself up out of it, but you'll just 
prevent Tatum from dropping 35 on your head again. So points might scare me from Tatum. Maybe assists is an interesting pivot. I like rebounds in general. Horford's been the starting center, but Tatum's been the main rebounder for this team. I cashed a lock on Tatum rebounds earlier in the series, and it went over at halftime. That would be my main play for Tatum. I was going to take Kyle Lowry under. Doesn't exist. They don't have lines up for him yet. I am going to go back to Jalen Brown under, though, uh, which I've been taking every game in the series, <laughs> and it's been cashing every game. Even with Boston winning, as I said before, in game four, Brown really wasn't great. He had 17 points. I didn't think he did much. He had the one dunk there on that three-on-one fast break in the fourth quarter. That was basically it. He might have had an and one as well in the fourth quarter. But he had, he's at over-under 22-and-a-half. He hasn't gotten close in this series. Like, I understand you're expecting him to wake up at some point, but I'll believe it when I see it. If you want to keep giving me a high inflated number, expecting him to bounce back, and he scored less than 23 points in every game of the series, he scored less than 18 points in each of the last three games, I'm going to keep taking the under. I just think 22 and a half is too high. Yeah, I don't um, disagree. It was 24 and a half uh, early on. I'm season, shocked so. you don't disagree because I know uh-huh. earlier this year as you tried to persuade people to uh, jump on yeah. the ground. Yeah, no, nah, in that specific game, man, I thought he was going to shake out of it, but for whatever reason, he didn't. He he played horrible. He's played horrible, and it's getting overshadowed by them as a team playing horrible. But like, but he talked for- to Anthony Edwards after game four, so you know <laughs> maybe he's ready to roll. <laughs> maybe they need to switch places. Is, is Edwards there for the basketball, or is he there for the nightclub? Probably Man. the nightclub, right? <laughs> I, I was I was so confused when they showed Anthony right. Edwards there. I was also confused right. by A Rod and Jeter being there, which I thought was kind of fascinating. But yeah, I mean, I guess A Rod uh, lives there, and Jeter w- was connected to the Marlins, even though uh, Marlins fans probably hate him because he wasn't exactly great in the front office. But right. he might live there too. And I saw mm. Edwards backstage, or like you know, in the locker room talking to Brown. I'm like. Ants, what are you doing here? Yeah, I mean, they're both Atlanta guys, so uh, you know, grew up in the same area. Uh, I don't think – I know uh, Jalen went to Wheeler, which is a big, big basketball school in Atlanta. I'm not sure where um, where Ant went, but I think they're from around the same area. So I went I mean, to college they, in, at Georgia. So yeah, so yeah, but, uh, yeah, so I think they're probably familiar with each other, uh, like AAU circuit, high school, of course. Uh, but he probably needs to tell Jalen and, like, be more aggressive or like, – yeah. Stop! Start playing like you're supposed to be making all this money in the off season. But uh, yeah, I think that um, Jeter and uh, and A Rod were there giving me oh four Red Sox came back from the three zero. I'm curious if Boston paid them to be in attendance, <laughs> just like you know, just to get the vibes right, right for Boston right. to you know make a get, run get Pedro with the bloody sock in there for 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 this game at home. That was chilling with the bloody sock. Chilling. I'm sorry. Yeah, chilling. Yeah. yeah. But either way. Uh, yeah, not a fun time as a Yankees fan, but still, <laughs> definitely not. Definitely any not. other player props that uh, you want to talk about, or should we just move uh, on? Yeah, no, nah, I'm good. I just was, I'm laying off. Uh, I'll probably give some out in like the Discord or on Twitter, or whatever, once I, I find out more about um, Vincent. Cool. So, uh, that's gonna wrap it up for the actual game five breakdown. We will be talking about the series price and how crazy the odds have shifted, uh, over the last couple of days or the last day. But until then, are we are actually going to take a quick word 
from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Edge Boost. Have you signed up for Edge Boost yet? If not, you're missing out. Edge Boost is the world's first bet now, pay later Visa card. Similar to buy now, pay later programs, Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest and pay back the advance over four equal weekly installments. That's right, 0% interest. Simply deposit funds into your account and Edge Boost will match the deposit so you can use two times the funds on any legal sports betting site. Edge currently offers up to $2,500 in advances. Up to $2,500 you can add to your bankroll. My Edge Boost double down play of the day is going to be trying to think of which player prop I want to talk about uh, because we mentioned a couple. You know what? Grant Williams over six and a half points. Why not? Yeah. Uh, that's going to be my double down edge boost play. Uh, but go to sportscampodcast.com slash edge to sign up today. That's sportscampodcast.com slash edge. Must be 21 or older to use. Only valid in legal gambling states. Problem gambling? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing Game 5 as well as recapping Game 4 in the Eastern Conference Finals. Now it's time to talk about the fun little circus, which was the gambling odds, and now the world is on fire because the Heat lost one home game. The Celtics series price, because they were in the 6-1 to range, give or take, maybe a little bit higher, going into Game 4. Can I interest you in plus 210 for a team that's down 3-1? Once again, teams down 3-0 are an impressive 0 and 150 in NBA history. However, the circumstances surrounding this Celtics series are definitely unique because usually the massive favorite with home court is the team up 3-0. So you have to win a couple of road games, including a road game 7. That is not the case here. Since Boston did win game four, and since we don't have the 2-3-2 the two three two format, Boston only has to win one more road game. So I'm going to ask you, initially, I had Boston in seven to win the series. Not the way I drew it up. I also <laughs> had over five and a half games in the series. Not the way that I drew it up. Now that's back alive. First of all, do you think the odds are fair? Second of all, do you think Boston's actually going to pull it off? Uh, to answer the first question, don't bet Celtics to to win uh, to win the series. Just bet, like we talked about, just bet Jason Tatum to win the Eastern Conference Finals MVP. There's better odds if they win. If they I've been come waiting back, for that to get posted. I haven't seen the but, odds posted, but I but would bet they, that instead. Yeah, if they if they come back to win, it's going to be on the shoulders of Tatum. It's nothing that Jalen Brown can do um, outside of scoring 100 points a game. No, he no showed four games. He's, right, he's yeah, not gonna, no way. It's no way he's coming back to get it. Nobody else is going to be deserving of it. Um, but I would not bet if you didn't bet it when they were down 3 0, uh, don't bet it now. I mean, the odds are probably about right because you got to think they're going to be favored in five and seven if they're eight point favorite, so they're minus 300. At they're going to be favored in game six, yeah, maybe, or it might be a pick. I, I think it might be. I think Miami be was pick. minus one and a half at home after they won the previous game by like 26. Boston in game three was favored by about four and a half. Boston will be favored in every game. I'm assuming yeah. Boston in game six would be like minus three. They'll probably so. meet in the middle of game three and, ga- and game four. Yeah, but yeah, Boston is going to be a massive favorite in game seven, yeah. a massive favorite in game five. I think they will be favored in game six. Yeah, that's fair. So, yeah, th- I mean, it seems crazy, like it, just from being down 3 1. But, like you said, circumstances are different. Uh, I'd like to, I'll probably dig into those numbers to see how many home teams uh, or how many higher seed teams. Being down 0-2, uh, what the results of those ha- have been. Uh, as I believe far it's as only like, happened three times. 
Oh, okay. So that see now three nothing is the higher seed to come to to uh you know potentially. I think it's happened three times. Yeah, and I think um I think Jordan was up on the on Seattle. I think he was up two zero or uh, 3-0. They were up 3 nothing. They lost the Seattle next two games back. and yeah, then they yeah, won right, six. Right, right. Actually, so, I, actually, I'm going to rephrase it. I believe there's only been three teams in NBA history that have lost the first three games as the higher seed and won game four on the road. So entering right. game five, going back home, I believe that's only happened three times. Right, and uh, refresh my memory about, do you remember in the bubble? I mean, it's different, obviously, not comparing, but when – the Clippers did they win four straight? Did they win three straight? They were down three one and won three straight against Utah, right? They won the game without uh, without Kawhi or without Paul George, one of those guys. Where Terrence Mann went crazy, and they came back from like down 25, 26. You remember that? That was not three one. In fact, they won that series in six. That was not oh, game maybe? seven. Oh, okay, maybe they were down two zero. Having said that, Denver did come back from three one down and back to back series, right. right? Against Utah and the Clippers. That was the year before, but still. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, just don't bet. Don't bet the series. Just wait till you see the Jason Tatum MVP uh, odds. Get that. The odds Eastern are probably Conference MVP. Eastern Conference Finals MVP. Yeah. I'm sorry. Don't bet Finals MVP. Um. But yeah. You can so, if you want to. But that's not what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. But um. Yeah. I wouldn't bet it. The odds are about right. Like you said, they'll be favored in in every game at worst. Um. You know, if if this, I guess, depending on how the money flows. Um. With the game six coming. You know, give or take, it probably won't be higher than two, two and a half, I guess. So, yeah, uh, I think it's a fair price. Uh, I wouldn't bid it, uh, but, I mean, odds-wise, it's about right. I'm, I'm trying to do a parlay calculator quickly. I'm, I'm going to have to speculate what the odds might be. I'm assuming the odds for Game 7 would be similar to Game 5. So I'm going to use the money line price here. If you do a three-pick money line parlay, and I put the money line prices at minus 300 for Game 5, Let's say minus 150 for game six. Okay. You can argue maybe it's too high, too low. I think 150 is in the middle. I think that's kind of fair. Game seven, I went to minus 300 again. Do you want to guess what that three pick money line parlay pays out at? Um, Probably like what, 175? Plus 196. Yeah, that's close. Yeah. And I think honestly, the game seven. Theory, there's value on it if you think Boston's going to be favored by around minus 150 or so in game six. In theory, right, and there's value on the series. Game seven might be a little higher, might be up in that nine, nine and a half range. Uh, it might be because home teams in game that, seven historically right, been really good. And that was the first, that was the line of the first game. It was not, it, well, I think it opened eight and a half. It got bet to nine and a half. And yeah. then, of course, you know, the game two, the historic game two uh, trend where. The, you know the home team off losing game one was incredible. Like I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's an incredible number, um, and that was like nine and a half. So yeah, I think it'll be nine nine and a half. So it might be even lower than that. So once again, you can you can mix and match the game yeah yeah, but, six but that's, game you, seven, that's a nice but average of, of what yeah you, what it's an average. Is. So it still yeah. comes out to less than two to one, and you can still get two fifty on the series. The point that I'm trying to make is even though it's never happened before, I do think Boston got. I don't want to say the toughest game out of the way, but the game I was immediately most concerned about, they got out of the way. And when you're applying the money line parlay, the implied money line parlay, and what it should be in my estimation, it is doable. Like I, I think Boston's got a shot at this. Yeah, am, I picking them to, am I picking them to do it? No, I'm not. I think Miami's going to win one of these next three games. But based on where we're at right now with the series and how Boston only has one more road game... I think it's actually quite feasible. I'm not picking it, 
but I think it definitely can happen, and it's not some impossible task. It mm. might have been going into game four. Yeah. Not anymore. I think it's actually doable. Yeah, especially with how they played going into game four. That's the that's the thing. Yeah. Now they got that's that bad thought, taste. That's why I thought it was over. Yeah, they got the bad taste out of their mouth. Um, what, what would really be hilarious is if it goes to seven and they lose. Yeah. Oh, my God. The exact God. same that thing as last year, except Miami wins the game on the road. That would be incredible. I don't think it's incredible. going to happen because you touched upon it. I don't think Missoula made any adjustments. I just think Boston played better. Yeah. Actually, so I, think, was, I, think, um, I think Miami's going to win one of these next three games. But once again, with the odds and how big Boston's going to be favored in games five and game seven, it's not as impossible as you might think. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's really not. If I gave Miami odds to win the series right now, I'd probably go like 66%. Yeah, probably, yeah I'd probably go like 60-40. And most people with a 3-1 lead would probably tell you like it's going to be 80-20, but I don't yeah. think it's 80-20. But, but again, like you said, this the circumstances are completely different. With yeah. Boston having two home games left. And, and being the more know. talented team on paper. Right, right. So right. just to be clear, though, we are not taking Boston to win the series. No. Or I'm are not. you? No, I'm I'm not. I will just bet them to I think they'll win. I think they'll win tomorrow night, and I think it'll be tough in game six. Um but okay, so I'll preface this. If they win game six, I think they'll win game seven. Okay. So if 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 Miami loses the game six, it's over. No, I, I can agree with that. Uh, that and I think they, sounds if, pretty if, reasonable. If it, if it goes if it goes to seven, it's over. Yeah. They got to close uh, them at out that, at that point. Then again, that would be the perfect letdown spot for Boston to completely lay an egg. But still, I do think at the end of the day, the point that I'm trying to make is I'm not taking Miami to lose this series. Yeah. But based on what the parlay odds would be, technically Boston plus two fifty is actually not a bad deal. Yeah. yeah. But I that's the point I was going to make. Anything else you want to say, or should we wrap it up? Uh, no, I think I made a bit on Tatum uh, MVP um, Eastern Conference MVP. Right before game three, I'm trying to tell okay. you. I'm going to see what number I got, so you can see about what. I'm going to guess you got like seven to one or eight to one. Let me see. Where is it? Uh, let's see. Tatum. Oh. Jesus Christ! It, it, I'm, you know, the, I'm going to guess seven fifty. Lock it in. Seven fifty. Let's see. Because they're down two nothing, losing both home games. Yeah, that sounds about right. Um. It might be less because the odds makers still gave Boston a good chance to win the series. Yeah, five, it might be around five, like seven, five. Yeah, yeah, five seventy-five. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I might I overcooked it. If, yeah. I, I I should have quit when I was ahead. Yeah, yeah. But five seventy-five is what I got. Yep. I'm assuming if you can get it now, it'd probably be close to like three to one. Three. I, I think it'd be yeah yeah a little bit over. So if the series, what are they two? They're two twenty-five to win. Two twenty-five, two fifty. Yeah, so I think he he probably around two seventy-five, two eighty-five. Yeah, give or take, but yeah. still. Uh, once again, if they're going to win the series, Tatum's winning the award. But yeah, that's, that's going to wrap it up for the actual series price breakdown. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. But before I actually do that, have another read or another sponsor that I want to tell you about. It is Shady Rays, who I'm sure you figured out because they've been sponsoring this whole month. Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN for Shady May. Not only do you get an amazing 50% off deal, but you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays has durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. If you lose or break your pair, even on the first day, they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. And if you don't love them, exchange them for a new pair or return them for free within 30 days. No risk at all when you shop with Shady Rays. And for international listeners, Shady Rays has you covered as well with shipping to Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code SGPN. 
50% off two pairs of polar sunglasses. And remember, May is almost over. So make sure to take your receipt to sportsgampodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win the $500 Shady May contest. Welcome back, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast. Just finished previewing Game 5 and going through some series futures for the Heat and the Celtics series. Now it's time for the Lock and Dog picks for Game 5. Delonte, I'm going to let you go first. Where are you going with this one? Yeah, I'm keeping it short and simple. I'm going with Boston first half minus four and a half. I would take the first quarter, but I do not like how they've been playing in the first quarter, so I'll get them, give them time to adjust. Um, hopefully they get out to a, a large-ish lead, um, you know, seven or eight in the first quarter, and they're able to come back and um, – and withstand that, or withstand that Miami run that I know is coming. So I'll take Boston minus four and a half. Uh, you can get some fours out there uh, if you shop around. So I'll take four and a half as the consensus for the lock. Um, for the dog, I don't see Jason Tatum triple-double. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, I see 13 to one. Uh, let me quickly ch- check if there's a better price because 13 to one sounds atrocious. Yeah. Let me just see if I can find something better. Yeah. Uh, you might have to do a same-game parlay with it, but let me just quickly pull this up. Uh... Sorry, I know you can continue your explanation. I'll pull. No, I just I just think that he's been so aggressive rebounding, and his assists are at plus money um, right now. So if you want to bet them individually, I found eighteen to one. Yeah, give me that eighteen to one for for the uh, for the dog. I think he's going to have a big impact on the game. He's been distributing at a high level uh, off the pick and rolls. Uh, He's also been in transition as as the ball handler, finding guys on the outside, throwing lobs to Rob. So I think you some of those shots will fall for Brogdon. He's had opportunities to get triple doubles. His guys weren't knocking down shots, specifically Brogdon and Brown, uh, who's been shooting horrible. And Smart picked it up in the third quarter, but overall he hasn't shot it well. So I think those guys will shoot it well at home. Um, I think he's got a great shot to catch this number. Uh, the, the points we know will be there. I think the rebounds are, are highly unlikely that he doesn't get 10. And I think that's this is all we have to worry about. He's getting opportunities. And I think he'll capitalize here um, at home in the big game. Yeah. Uh, so just to look at, by the way, Tatum's rebound prop for the game is 10 and a half, 10 and a half uh, yeah. in game five. Uh, so looking at my lock for the show, I'm probably going to go with two player props uh, just because I do think this game could go either way in terms of the spread. I'm still leaning to Miami, but still. I was really hoping they'd give me a Lowry prop so I could just bet the under, but they don't have it. (laughs) So I think for the lock here, I'm going to go with Struess. I'm going to take Struess over 10.5 points at minus 120. I think the volume's going to be there. We saw Boston have a much better defensive effort against against Martin last game. And once again, Vincent with the ankle. I think Struess by default is going to have to play a bunch of minutes. He's pretty good defensively, decent rebounder. I think Miami's going to lean on him, and I think he'll probably play around 35 minutes or so. So it's mostly a pure volume play. I think mm-hmm. he's going to get the minutes. Hopefully it's some shots, but I think he's in a good spot, and we know that he's capable of hitting a bunch of threes. Once again, he's even money to hit three threes. So I do think that him going over 10.5 is quite reasonable. So once again, my lock will be Struess over 10.5 points at around minus 130. And for my dog, we mentioned it before on the show, but I'm going to go back to it. It's going to be Grant Williams threes. I'm going to take him over one and a half threes. Actually, do I want to go nuts for the alternative? <laughs> Are you going to go five? Uh, uh, they wouldn't even give you anything past three, to be honest. Uh, I'd be shocked if they did. Yeah, they didn't. Uh, they have three plus threes, which is the best I can get on FanDuel at plus 600. It went up, actually. That's six to one. Ah, uh, you know what? I might, I might just ladder it. I'll split my dog up into two. Uh, give me Brown. Give me uh, Williams two plus threes at plus one 
15. Grant Williams, not Rob. Just sorry, just my bad. Know. Not Rob. No, sorry. No, no, just... So I'm gonna re- I'm gonna redo that <laughs> for my dog. I'm gonna chop it up and go and give out two half unit dogs. I'm gonna go with Grant Williams over one and a half threes at plus one fifty, and I'm gonna go with Williams three plus threes at six to one. So once again. Uh, for Delonte's locking dog, he is going to go with Celtics first half minus four and a half, and he's going to go with Tatum triple double at around eighteen to one. My lock's going to be Struce over ten and a half points, and my dog, which is going to be two, it's going to be a ladder play. It's going to be Grant Williams, not Rob Grant Williams, over <laughs> one and a half threes at plus one fifty, and over two and a half threes at plus six hundred. That's going to wrap it up though for this episode of the NBA Gambling Podcast. We're back once again. Not tomorrow, because this was the show for Thursday. At some point, I don't know. We'll be somewhere. I'll be on yeah. the WNBA show with Terrell. Uh, but Delonte, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, man. XXLonteXX on Twitter. Uh, I'll be there, and uh, we'll be locked in um, after the game. I think Friday maybe we'll do a show. I'm not sure how we'll recap the show, but uh, we'll we get We have an off day every day and every time now, because once again, the Lakers got right. swept. So. Right, so I'm not sure how we're going to recap the show, uh, recap the game tomorrow, or uh, we'll we'll talk to them off, and I guess we'll update everybody on it. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But either way, until then, you can find me on Twitter, Rice Show Radio. Find me on this show, the Tennis Gambling Podcast, of course. And yeah, I I, I do a bunch of editing. But anyway, <laughs> uh, enjoy the game. Good luck to you and your bets, and see you next time. Bye, everyone. Basketball, give me, give me, give me the ball because I'm gonna. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-